Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, um, you, you calling out the example of a couple and being referred to as a dog. I haven't looked at it that way. I think it's interesting. <laughs> but hey, uh, back to the topic of today. Uh, we have a lot more uh, that we will talk about in our news flash, which we will follow on next week. But today we're continuing with our, uh, should I call it series, it's Agri- Agriculture 2.0. And I've taken it upon myself to really talk about agriculture, to really give out examples as to how business ideas in this sector uh, on the continent really develop and really work. And also how we as the diaspora can be involved in particular initiatives that support uh, agriculture on the continent, respectively a few countries such as Ghana, uh, such as Ivory Coast, uh, Nigeria, a few countries that we are able to uh, connect people to. And uh, today we have one on the show, uh, uh, someone I know who's been uh, very influential, uh, but then an influential one in uh, the background. He is uh, responsible for um, so many projects that are African related that uh, start from the Netherlands and that involve the African uh, diaspora. And we announced earlier today that our special guest who is the founder of African Motion, uh, which is an African-focused accelerator aimed to enhance relationships between Europe and the African continent, uh, as we are talking about changing the fair trade that we know. What are the real facts of fair trade and how can we, the diaspora via sustainable programs, work on developing our Ghanaian farmers? Uh, we are going to talk about that today. And uh, if you are in the comment box and if you could uh, welcome our guest that we are going to have on. He goes by the name of Max Kofi. Let me add him right now. Hello, Max. How are you doing? Good evening, um, Augustine. I'm doing fine. I'm just uh, relaxing, listening to your <laughs> set just now. We've done <laughs> very interesting. And uh, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for joining us on this, uh, this cozy Sunday. Yeah. Uh, how how has been your day? Uh, walking in the town, in the in the garden, and uh, walking with my dog in the forest. You know, biking a bit, and then yeah. thinking about this interview this evening. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what should I say? What should I not say? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was funny the other day when we were talking about. Uh, I was with my friend, and we were. It was such a random conversation. We like, how many Africans do we know who have a dog? <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> it, isn't that? Very, isn't... It's it's very good to um, it's like uh, an accelerator in the integration uh, pro- process. Right. When you have a dog and uh, you you make friends very easy and uh, right. people like people like your dog first and then they start talking to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a way of starting conversation. Yeah. So it's very great. nice. Great, great. And that, that is a good way, Johnny, for uh, uh, we should consider taking a dog to help our social network. Yeah, that's Expand. my advice to all of us on diaspora. Just, <laughs> just get yourself a dog and go outside. Exactly. <laughs> go yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're absolutely right. And yeah. how how have you been uh, thus far? How has this uh, lockdown period been been treating you? Yeah, like everyone, uh, just walking from home. And yeah. uh, at the beginning, I was a little bit happy, you know, thinking like, okay, now I'm going to relax. <laughs> but uh, yeah. online walking is very intensive. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, you need to concentrate more. And um, yeah, I've been walking too much, actually. So, yeah. and since three weeks, I'm... Um, I start going back to the office in Utrecht mm -hmm. and in the yeah. train and uh, with my mask and so it's it's okay. Um, I'm healthy. My family is healthy. Yeah. In the, the family in Africa is also healthy, so everything is alright. We are waiting Great. for we're waiting for the vaccine. <laughs> what what is your take on that? Are you looking forward to it? Because not a lot of Africans are excited. Uh, a lot of what we call woke people, conscious people, are also not too excited. Yeah. Uh, what is your take on that so far? Mm, I just will take it, you know, you never know. Maybe it's walking and uh, it can protect you. So I'm not like, uh, I'm not afraid of it. Right. I'm, I'm 53 already, so I still have some, <laughs> I still have 10 years before going back definitely to Africa. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So for you, you know, you kind of know that you can could take it at this point. Yeah, I just will do it, you know. It's not an experience then. Now they are experimenting in and testing. And so when, when they will put it on the market, it will be safe, I think. Right, right. Well, that's a, a real, um, what's it called? A conscious approach. It's yeah. really like, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see. And hopefully it will, it will turn out to be uh, something good. Great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, great to have you here uh, here on the show. We are touching on a very important uh, topic, agriculture 2.0, how we're even going to realize it. What does it mean to our uh, a, a special guests that we have here on the show? But first, yeah. let's start with you, because I, I know you as one. Uh, I call you like one of the first generation Africans, very influential here in the Netherlands, but rather, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, how would you, in your own words, uh, um, tell us who Max Kofi is? Um, I am 53 years old. I was born in Togo, in West Africa. And my uh, parents came from Guinea. They were working in Togo. So I was born there. And I grew up in Congo. And I've been traveling a lot uh, when I was young in Africa. I've been, uh, I think, around 23 countries in Africa. I visit from north to south, east and west. So uh, I live since 20 years almost in the Netherlands. I have, uh, I'm married, I have a woman and I have a child is now 19. And uh, so that's a little bit me. I've been studying in Congo, I've studied medicine uh, after five years i stopped with it because i was already involved in political activities and that was a bit dangerous so yeah. I, I went to france i continued there i studied uh, philosophy uh, psychology and um, i left africa because i was looking for a solution to our problems 
So yeah. I was thinking the, the problems in Africa are not only in Africa. A part of our problems have been created outside of Africa. So I was thinking, let me go look at outside if we can find a solution. So um, that's a little bit me. I've been doing different things in the Netherlands, teaching uh, at university and then uh, working for companies. And uh, I got involved in politics. And then I start my own organization called Africa in Motion to uh, try to reach my goal. You know? So yeah. that's a little bit me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And th this is this is what's funny, uh, Donnie, because I I remember at this particular event, yeah. um, at at the end they played a particular game, and most of us are Africans, obviously, and the yeah. game was. The one who knows most of language, the most languages would yeah. end up standing, you know, yeah. at the end after going through the round of questions. And yeah. can you believe Max Kofi was the one that ended up, <laughs> ended up winning yeah. and actually being at the just... counter knowing uh, nine, I think nine or ten languages, was it? Yeah, yeah. nine. I speak uh, four African languages from uh, West Africa, Malinke. Tusu, uh, Lingala from Congo, Swahili, and uh, French, uh, English, Dutch, and I also speak uh, two other languages from Guinea, Fulanis mm. and uh, Gerze. So I'm, um, I was lucky. And that time when we were studying in Africa, uh, African languages were also on the program. So that's the way I learned. And because I was traveling very young, you know, you learn the language without thinking about it. Yeah. So uh, it's funny, when I speak to Congolese here in the Netherlands and I tell them I'm coming from West Africa, they say, no, you are lying. <laughs> you just say it to get your status, you know. <laughs> you are a Congolese. Because I can really speak uh, the street uh, language, Lingala. Right. It's funny. And when I'm with people from Guinea, I tell them I grew up in Congo. They say, no, no, you are from Congo and you are lying to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can fool anyone. You can really yeah, fool yeah. anyone. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and um, yeah, it's easy for me also to enter any African country because my grandparents, one came from France and another from Lebanon. So I have, I'm like mixed. So everywhere in Africa, I can say I'm coming from here and I'm just yeah. mixed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's the advantage I have. <laughs> that's really true. You actually resemble an uncle of mine who is also, uh, yeah, yeah. It was also like called, like very, what we call fair colored. Yeah. Uh, so you could absolutely be a Ghanaian as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel absolutely. like that, you know, that for me, it's Africa is one, but we will talk about that. Yeah, Africa is one, and uh, great. I have to become one, you know. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. we, we will talk about what that you know specifically means for you. Uh, one, one of the interesting I also discovered about you is that you mentioned uh, almost everywhere that you go that you are the one who is uh lobbying for uh Africa, yeah. and uh, what, what does that mean to you? Uh, actually, I'm advocating or I'm lobbying for uh, Africa of my dream. There are two things. Um, first, there is a paradoxical situation. 
Africa is the richest continent globally. Yeah. There is no other continent in this world that can uh, approach Africa when you come talk about wealth and richdom. It's a very paradoxical. African populations are the poorest of the world. Yeah. That's one. Secondly, uh, our nation states are very weak. Africa doesn't mean anything at this moment at the world level because of these small countries' heritage of colonialism. So I am advocating for two things. Uh, a new economic model that will allow African people to become the richest of the world because we deserve it. We have the richest continent, so logically we should be the richest people on earth. Yeah. So I'm advocating for a new economic model between Africa and the rest of the world. And secondly, I'm advocating for uh, the unification of Africa. So I'm a Pan-Africanism. I believe that the only solution, and it is the way out of poverty, and yeah. unifying Africa is also the solution to problems facing by all black people in the world, like racism. If we don't unite, Africa will still remain weak, and African people will never get respect outside of Africa. So that's why I'm calling myself lobbying for Africa. But uh, I mean, then Africa, we can create ourselves, the powerful Africa. That's what I'm lo lobbying for. Yeah. I love that. Um, so one thing I would really like to know from you, because you are, uh, you've traveled the world literally. <laughs> yeah. You've literally traveled the world. Um, do, do you think that it's, it's doable within this generation to really accomplish some of the things that, you know, your uh, organization, Africa in Motion, and what you stand for is doable? Do you see it happening in this generation? Yeah, it's, uh, it's our duty to let it happen in our lifetime. This is the last chance we have. Uh, the, the, the new generation in Africa are not aware of this, and the big part of the diaspora also not. So I believe we can achieve this. It will take some time, maybe 10 years, but uh, the, 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 the secret to, to let it happen, it's the speed wherein we can mobilize our people. But not only our people, but also mobilize uh, young people in Europe and change their mind regarding to Africa. So I believe in it, and nothing is impossible. You only have to remember uh, what all the diasporas have reached in this world. If you look at someone like uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he was living in South Africa, he was a diaspora. Yeah. He faces uh, racism in South Africa, and he decided to go back to India, unify India, and fight against this system. He has done it. When he started, he was uh, 55. Remember also, the, the, the Communist Party of, uh, of China has been created by Chinese diaspora in France. So I don't see it as something impossible. It seems impossible until it will happen. Mm -hmm. And then it will be a very big surprise for the whole world. Yeah. I believe in it. We are working on it very, very hard. We have people on the ground in Africa. 
and we are mobilizing people in Europe, in the United States, and in uh, even in South America. Hmm. So it has to happen, and it will happen. And to, and to whom do you, uh, uh, let's say, not place all the responsibility, but from which party do you um, expect the most? The Africans in the diaspora or the Africans in Africa themselves? Yeah, that, that's beautiful in our situation. Um, we have the diaspora all over the world. All over the world, you have Africans. In the Netherlands only, we are like 300,000 people from 42 countries. So first thing uh, from the diaspora, uh, we can have like, uh, we can be an example for people in Africa if we start collaborating here. And it's easy because like now we are sitting, I can visit to Amsterdam, I can fly to New York. It's easy for us to meet. In Africa, it's a little bit, it's more complicated because people cannot travel and uh, the, 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 the young people don't have money to, to discover other African countries. But from, the, 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 from our side, I think the big responsibility lies on our side. And the connection with Africa will make it happen because um, we can connect with African young people especially and then start uh, collaborating in this way. That is what we are doing now. We have connection in uh, South Africa with, uh, with activists. Uh, we have connection in Kenya and East Africa, in Ghana, for all West Africa. Even in Morocco, we started operating in Egypt. So from the diaspora, we have more uh, means to organize it. So it's about organizing it. That's the most important, and having a clear strategy. So let's talk about uh, some of this this organizing it because Africa Emotion has been around uh, for a lot. I know some of the initiatives that you know. Also, my company because my company uh, um, decides some of your logos. Some of it is uh, um, um, starting up a, a particular fund for diaspora uh, yeah. entrepreneurs. Uh, one of them is also mainly, and that's the bit that we are talking about, is um, is one that really challenges the way that we look at fair trade actually in our in our current world, yeah. and is actually challenging the current systems that are put together um, that allow, or let's just say, yeah, give Ghanaian farmers, farmers from Ivory yeah. Coast, in, in particular sector or industry of chocolate just a small bit of, you know, the final profit or the ending product that we see in our stores, but you're yeah. really starting something new because that is something that you've been doing uh, all these years. Yeah. But this is now to really look at uh, particularly farmers in uh, cacao, as I would pronounce it in a Dutch way, because I normally mix it up with cocoa and cocoa is a different something yeah. else. <laughs> exactly, of African, so I mixed that one up. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really challenging the current system um, that is in operation now. Could you share a bit about that and how that came into being? Why these particular farmers? Um, there are about two million farmers uh, in the cacao industry, uh, the production sites in Ghana and uh, Ivory Coast. In Africa, so uh, uh, Ivory Coast, Ghana, and a little bit Nigeria, 
are providing more than 70% of all cacao beans from the world. Yeah. Okay. Now we know fair trade. You know, fair trade is a uh, Western concept telling us, like, look, we're going to buy your product and we can add some little money on top of it. Yeah. So it gives people here a good conscience, like, yeah, we are doing well, we are buying chocolate from uh, fair trade. But fair trade is not, a, it's not fair at all. Um, so we are only talking about the price of the raw material. What yeah. we should do, that's a new concept we are fighting for, that is share trade. Share trade means uh, you don't sell your product for a cheap price, but you become shareholder for the production of the semi-finished product of the final product. Hey. At this moment... Can you please repeat that? Sorry, what did you say? Could you please repeat that concept of share trade? Yes. Yeah. Share trade means uh, the, the farmers, uh, African farmers, Ghanaian, uh, Iranian, don't sell the, the cacao beans for a price that is decided by Western countries, but they become shareholder of multinational who are making profit out of it. So an example, now they are they're selling cacao uh, uh, beans in Ghana. A farmer can get something like 220 euro a year per hectare. And mostly they have between one and three hectares. And they get the money and they are out of the system. And in the Netherlands only, when, where the, the most cacao beans have been processing to, uh, into cacao butter or cacao powder, it's made already in the Netherlands, they are generating every year 20 billion of euros. While in Ghana, we only count 65 million. So the whole concept is to renegotiate this system, telling them we become shareholders. So when you sell the chocolate in the supermarket, that money should be redistributed with our farmers. And if you apply this system to all raw materials coming from Africa, you can stop poverty very, very fast. So this is a little bit the concept. And in the value chain, you have different level where we can uh, get this money back. So at this moment, the Ghanaian farmers have only 6% of the all profit. More than 70% go to retailers, go to manufacturers, and uh, the, 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 the traders. So that's where we need to take the money back and send it to our farmers. But that, that's something we cannot reach it like this without involving our one government. So that's a little bit the, 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 the concept and taking them from 6% and getting them to 20% at least. So now the yeah. Ghanaian farmer lives with 70 cents euro a day. Can you imagine? Yeah. They can afford uh, education for the children. They cannot afford uh, medical care. Nothing. Yeah. And on top of that, they are working on deforestation because yeah. Europeans tell them, we need to produce more. And then they will go cut trees. Deforestation, that's something very bad. 
you have child labor. We count something like 1.5 million children working in this cacao plantation in Africa, in Ghana, in Ivory Coast. While our children here in the Netherlands, for example, are eating chocolate, going to school, preparing their, 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 their future. So that it's completely inequal. And now they're talking about uh, fair trade, but it's not fair at all. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I will elaborate on that. Um, for those of you who just uh, tuned in, I would just like to welcome uh, everybody. Uh, first, I just want to give a shout out to Jean Aimé, uh, who says, wow, finally, I am not the biggest fan of fair trade. I have been pleading to create an auditing platform, uh, my black and colored people, for products and brands that are so-called fair trade, sustainable, and so much more. Shout out to you, uh, Jean, for uh, interacting with us in this conversation. Uh, do let us know how you think there uh, can be more initiative to not just drive the conversation, but really gear more of the diaspora to action. Also, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Lucia Diaz, who uh, has been contemplating and waiting for us to start the conversation on this fair trade topic. Welcome, everybody, again to Africa on Focus with myself and Donnie where we talk to uh, Africans uh, sharing our successes and how we can implement change in our communities uh, as to uni uniting global Africans uh, all around the world. If you have a question, a comment, and you are tuning in via Facebook or YouTube, make sure that you drop your comment in the comment box. And uh, of course, this is a special session because this is on lockdown mode, whereby we are airing from home. Uh, because High Radio Station is moving to another place, we are finally set for our studio to be running again. And uh, we are talking and challenging the uh, a term as we know it, fair trade, as we are talking to Max Kofi. Uh, I call him a veteran within the African community, literally a global African. He has seen the African continent. I don't think you can, I don't think any tour guide could tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> about about the corners of uh, of, of our continent, um, Max. One of the uh, one of the documentaries that I recently watched, and uh, we we both talked about it. It was in May, whereby in uh, an episode air, either it was made made along uh, one, two, or three, one of those uh, of a show called uh, Domine of Koopman, and yeah. this was actually a Dutch uh, a documentary, and it was touching on what we call fair trade. And one of the episodes cover, covered uh, Ghana, uh, uh, really pinpointing on what are Ghanaian farmers really making out of this whole production uh, uh, process that has been put in place that has all of the world thinking that they are contributing to a good cause. Where is the money really going? And does the farmer that we see on the packaging, really beautiful, and you know, with a photo, is yeah. he really benefiting uh, from it? And I thought the documentary was really uh, was really raw and was uh, uh, really. I think they did a good job with giving it a critical uh, uh, look uh, yeah. because it pointed out that even even if Ghanaians are to bring the production process as we know it to Ghana or Ivory Coast, uh, it's still going to be expensive, more yeah. expensive than uh, the current ways. So we're actually, or the farmers are actually stuck with this particular system that has been put in place, beneficial for the West, where we are living in now, but yeah. not truly beneficial for uh, for farmers. 
Uh, I would really like to know from you, Max, uh, because you watched it. <laughs> what, what is your <laughs> what is your take on that, and where does your change specifically come in? Yeah, um, I, I, I I look at it, and um, you also. There is somewhere in the in the documentary, there was the director of uh, what they call Coco Board. Yeah, they asked him, uh, "What do you think that?" can be the solution for this situation. Yeah. And actually he said, I don't know. I don't see any solution. Uh, maybe we need some capital to build factories and uh, but even yeah. then, how to get the money. And so that's my point. Um, this asks for a change of economic system because we are in the system. Yeah. You know, they decide prices our raw materials here and they go in Africa to negotiate with our government. That's what I want to point out, the responsibility of the Ghanaian government. Yeah. What the Ghanaian government is doing, they are doing business. So they buy the cacao beans from the farmers and they sell it to traders coming there, yeah. deciding the price. It should be the other way around. Uh, we should sell this cocoa bean here in Europe ourselves. So investing only one million in the Netherlands because all this cacao is coming in Amsterdam. Right, yeah. All of them in Amsterdam. So, and when it's arrived there, it's done. Ghanaian doesn't have anything in it anymore. Yeah. So what's the, the, the strategical mistake of the Ghanaian and the Ivory Coast government is to cut down these traders in this value chain. That's why we should start. We okay. don't sell our raw material to anybody. We will sell it ourselves on the market here. Okay. And we have enough Ghanaian diaspora, African diaspora in, in Europe, who are experts in marketing, they are experts in uh, negotiation, so they should take this cacao bean to the Netherlands and sell it themselves. So that's the first thing. And these traders have 7% of the all profit. So if you cut it down, you get 7% more for Ghana. Now we're talking about 13% already, just by doing that. And then you go negotiate directly with this big five, they call big five. Nestle, uh, Mars, and all these American companies, uh, multinational trading in chocolate. We negotiate with them. Tell them, look, this is our product. Without cacao beans, you can never make a chocolate. You cannot make chocolate with a potato or with anything else. You need, so we have the more, most essential part of the, of the value chain. But our governments are weak. They are not negotiating it in the right way. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. We need a new economic system, and that is something that needs involvement of the government. Instead of doing business, they should stand for their people. It's not normal. If the the Netherlands here, if they had cacao bean, they should be so rich <laughs> that you yeah. could retire at your forty. Ghana is Ghana is hundred times richer than Netherlands. So yeah. our government are not uh, 
dealing in the right way with the raw material. So that's the way I, when I saw the, the documentary, I couldn't sleep all night. I was so angry. Especially when I heard from the government, someone saying, I don't know, I don't see any solution. How can you dare saying that? Yeah. Government, I don't see solution for my people. I don't see solution for my one raw material. Western countries are deciding it. Yeah. But that makes me very angry. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely relate to you, uh, to that type of frustration. And uh, simply because also you've, You've been around a longer time than uh, we have. <laughs> I just uh, I just hit my thirties, and um, you know what? One thing about us young Africans, we're really uh, excited and spontaneous uh, about our ideas. Once we have a business ideas for Africa, you know, we yeah. go for it, which is which is really good. A true entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but I, I then realized that you know uh, some that have been around for longer are like, oh gosh. How are we even going to change the minds of the people that could really, really implement change? Um, how do you see that? Because I hear sometimes a lot of, oh, well, you know, uh, um, it's, it's the way that people think or people's working ethics or people's vision. You know, all these these mind topics. How, how do you experience that? Have you have you also run into frustrations? What is your take on that? I think this is my people, so we have to deal with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because we that's, have... That's people, a Pan-African experience. Yeah. yeah. This is my people, we have to deal with it. It doesn't matter. You have Chinese, we don't speak Chinese official languages. Yeah. You know, so that doesn't matter. These are our people. This is the way they are now. And it's coming from very far. You know, the, the colonization and the slavery has change our DNA. Yeah. African people, we are not anymore able to, to, to dream big and to believe in ourselves, mm. our country. So that's something. If you look at too much of it, you, you get disappointed and say, okay, I just give up, you know? But yeah. I don't give up. These are our people. We love them, but we have to fight for them. When the system will change, you will see the, the, the change coming also at individual level. You have it also, I always tell the, the young diaspora, the, 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 the fact that you have been born here or grown up here doesn't make you less African. Exactly. People see a black man, a black woman. So even when you tell them I was born in Amsterdam, they, they don't care about that. Yeah, So I agree. That's the way I see it. I, I, I believe in, the, in Africa, and I know it's possible. What is needed is a group of people deciding to do this, happen, to make this happen. And the, 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 the rest will follow. You know, that's our advantage. African people are also very, uh, they can be very fast enthusiasts. When something is good, yeah. they just follow. Yeah. So it's... it's and, that, and, that, and that will mean that um, we have to trust that um, the group that would do the right yeah. things are the um, is the group that has the power right um, to you know to get uh, the the correct business deals and negotiate properly in the interest of, of oh, African uh, countries and farmers um, yeah. but going back to what Ms. Ava was trying to say is that how how does those conversations happen or how do we make 
um, those people that are now in the position of that power, how do we get them to realize or how are those conversations going? Do they know and don't yeah. they care? Do they actually yeah. know? Are they trying? Um, yeah. What's and I'm not into I'm not in politics and I've you know and so I don't know how those things the negotiations <laughs> okay. goes and what yeah. they are what they are uh, facing on a day to day basis. But I can imagine that how capitalism um, is set up is and how it's is set up and sold to Africa is yeah. that even when we understand or it's been understood that you cannot make um, uh, a choco bar or a Twix without cocoa, now it's in our farmer's mind that we cannot make cocoa without Twix or without Mars. So yeah. we need their demand in order to supply. And so they have yeah. the power over us. Meanwhile, yeah. it should be on, um, you know, Right. Way around. Now, now you're talking right, and that's the whole thing. The, 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 the future leaders of Africa, I see myself as a reformer. What we are intending to do is to change the political system in Africa. Uh, so when that will happen, you can renegotiate. Like this, this big uh, international company is multinational. They are very uh, weak, actually, when it comes to negotiation, really. When they face strong leaders, they will have to listen to us. Just take this example of cacao beans. We can decide to stop producing it as country, as government. Yeah. Because first, we don't eat cacao in Africa. They came, it came from France. They, they, they took it to Africa because they needed it. Mm -hmm. We can stop it as leaders. We tell them, look, you have your industry very good. You keep it. We don't need this cacao. By doing that, you can put them under pressure already and then renegotiate. But it's all about what you're saying is true. It's about who is leading the African countries. And the way it is now, that's what I was saying. Our nation states are too weak. If Ghana says no, Ivory Coast will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Ivory Coast say no, Nigeria will say yes, come. Come take our raw material. That is uh, the point. If Africa is not united politically, mm -hmm. like having political region, West Africa, you don't have a president in Ghana or Nigeria, but one governor for West Africa reporting to the president of the United States of Africa, then it's a, it's a different uh, situation. I give you another example. Uh, you know Shell? Yeah. It's a Dutch company, English and Dutch. Sure. They are taking oil from Nigeria. Yeah. So this share trade is applied to all raw materials. They're taking oil from Nigeria, the government of Nigeria of time. But if you change the legal status of Nigeria, that Nigeria is not a country anymore, mm -hmm. so Shell will be in big trouble. In Nigeria, they will be there like illegal. You cannot go back now to uh, Russia or to uh, Czechoslovakia and tell them, I had a deal with Soviet Union. Yeah. They will laugh on you. They'll say, you, you, you are crazy. The yeah. Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. So it's, no, it's, yeah. it's very complicated. And, uh, but that is the solution to change this situation. 
it's at the power level. Our power are too weak compared to European because they are organized. Yeah. They decide when they go to us, they have their plan already, and we just shallow it like this, you know, without thinking about just for few small money. Like I was telling you, Ghana is getting 63 million from this cacao bean business. Now only the Netherlands is getting 20 billion in 2019. Nestle, and it's only one of these multinationals, they redistribute 19 billion to the shareholder. 19 billion. They give back to the shareholder. People who even don't know how a cacao bo- uh, tree looks like. Mm. They're making big money from our raw material because our government are weak and they are not united. Yeah. So this unification of Africa, it's not like, okay, I'm Ghanaian, so when it will happen, Nigeria will come to my village. and It's not like that. It's about having a decision level that is really good, well-coordinated. Yeah. So it's... Can I, can I yeah. insert this? This unification is found in pan-Africanism. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It it takes us very far. You talk about cacao bean, but Africa is producing more than 10,000 strategic raw materials. Yeah. Look at the Ghana, only Ghana. Compare Ghana to Norway. Norway, they only have oil. Mm. But Ghana has oil, Ghana has gas, Ghana has gold. Yeah. Ghana has a lot of agricultural products. Why are the Ghanaians still now poor? How come? So it's it's all about that. And uh, the, the, the future leader of Africa, uh, I consider myself as one of them. We don't think like this, like, okay, now I'm president and I'm going to get rich and... Uh, it's yeah. about making African people rich because they deserve it. Yeah. So that will be the only political message. We are working, and our one vision is to make African people richer than people from Saudi Arabia, from, from Norway, from China, from all the world, because we deserve it. I agree. Absolutely. So looking at this, because I'm hearing you, and also thinking back to the documentary, um, it, it really came across that fair trade as we know it uh, was really some facade. You know, it's, it's yeah. like a, 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 a well-marketed concept yeah. that has fooled, you know, the world to such an extent whereby uh, even the person who made the report said at the end, shouldn't I have put my money directly into the particular farmer that, yeah. that I was talking to and you mentioned the Nestle, the other ones, and even even the particular brands that had, you know, set themselves aside as fair trade, yeah. joined this particular fake model that's supposed to, uh, you know, develop uh, Ghanaians. You know, so there there's somewhat. I feel that it has been uh, a lie. I think the only one who sort of has a different model is Tony Chocoloni, I think, which is quite of, of a newer brand. Yeah. How come, could you, could you share with us, how come people have believed this lie and, and how come this system hasn't been challenged by the consumer who is regarded as being more critical thinking these yeah. days? Yeah, yeah, there are two things. You know, European people are very sensible for marketing. 
You know, if you have a nice story, they just believe in it. Right. So the market here, people, that's why we are working now from uh, university. We want to improve the system by starting reputation. So it has to start at that level. And in Africa, we just take this, we buy it, because we are uh, already in this system for so long. This is the way we took this religion inside Africa. And, 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 and then political system and even language. Now we are talking English, we are speaking English. Yeah. It's like African people, we don't have our own language. Yeah. You know, we don't have religion, we don't have anything. So from our side in Africa and people, there are a lot of, in, in Ivory Coast, we were there last year for a project. Listen good what I'm telling you now. We were for a project in uh, Abidjan. We had a discussion with the Ministry of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. But when I approached them from Africa in Mosul, I told them I'm coming with Dutch uh, farmers. Yeah. So, but these Dutch farmers couldn't uh, travel at that time because they were too busy with uh, I don't know what year. So I went there with uh, two other African guys. We went to Agriculture. The first thing the minister tell us, he was sitting like, <laughs> but you guys, you told me you are coming with white people. Why are they? <laughs> wow. You know, he was like, it's the, I'm done with you guys. You told me you are coming with white people and you just come like this. Where are the white people? Oh. You know, this way. And I told him, okay, sorry, uh, but maybe we can arrange something. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's happened in Ivory Coast, it's happened in Gabon. I've sent an engineer, an ICT engineer in, uh, in Gabon to fix a problem of the Gabon National Bank. Yeah. This I'm talking now, he's a Senegalese guy. He's the, the system manager of uh, the, uh, the parliament in Brussels, European yeah. Parliament. So it's really on the top of ICT. I send yeah. them to, to, to Gabon. The same story. They told him, but how, how can you fix our problem? You, Africa in motion told us that they are sending European engineers. Wow. And you are black like, I don't know what. <laughs> what do you think? So, you know, it's, these are things I face in Africa. When you come with the European, they accept everything you want. Everything you tell them, they take it. So it's in the system, you know, it's in our DNA, what I'm telling you. And Europe is very easy. You and me, we can set up something tomorrow. And you, if you sell it good to European, they just believe in it. Wow. So that's the situation. So this Tonico Chocoloni is also coming with the same concept. We are going to give them more money and extra money. and this. But at the end, these Ghanaian farmers are still poor and very, very extremely poor. Not only, you know, like uh, what we call poor, they're getting more, less than one euro a, a day. Mm. And uh, the World Bank said that the limit is one euro 90 cents. The limit of poverty, the revenue, you know. And wow. our farmers are getting 70 cents. So it's, 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 I don't know how to say this, it's too bad. Yeah. All this company marketing this concept of fair trade, it's a business because they sell the product to the consumer, telling them, buy this, it's very good. You are helping African people. 
it's the same mentality going on. African are poor, we, they need help, and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the same thing. That's why we diaspora, we are here in Europe, we should fight against this system from yeah. inside by teaching their own people, telling them, yo, <laughs> what you think is really not correct. Yeah. You don't know anything about Africa. So that's, yeah. that's my point of view. And uh, that's what I call lobbying for Africa. Mm. Um, I, I have a question. Um, I just lost it. <laughs> no, that's the question. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bring it back. Nice Bring it. <laughs> um, so let's say back to the economics. Because um, this, I think this has more to do um, about the whole fair trade uh, and share trade. Yeah. It's it's a it's a business and it's strategically um, um, let's say not that complicated, um, but it is very economically um, strategized to bring yeah. more wealth to the farmers. Right. But then my question will be that: Do you think the multinationals are ready to share their wealth with the farmers? They are not ready, and they will never be ready. The way to do it, <laughs> we, yes, right. the way to do it is to force them to change. And the, 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 we are lucky because who is buying this chocolate? Yeah. You know, that's my neighbor, your neighbors, these young students. And so that's where we should act. The same way they did with fair trade, they tell them, buy, buy this, it's good, we are helping some people buy. So now we are starting campaigning for fair share, share trade. Yeah. Fair trade is not good. So we are doing a research for the Wageningen University because that is also Europe. When something comes from the university, they just okay, it's okay. So now we are advocating and try to mobilize European young people themselves. They should say no to this system. And they are the consumers, so they have the power on this multinational. And if you combine, yes, so that's the way we, we, we can reach it. And I hope African government will listen to us because we are advising them. We are trying to enter now the, the, the Ghanaian parliament to get people there who can talk like this. The system has to change. We have the raw material you need. We will share the money you will make out of it. If you don't do that, you don't get anything here. Yeah. I know you know what you're saying is true. They don't want this, and they would never like this. Never, never. But you have to force them. It's the same thing. They didn't want to stop slavery. They didn't want yeah. to stop apartheid in South Africa. That's they didn't want true. to stop colonization. This is fight. Yeah. So they kick you, you kick back. It's you know, it's very pitiful to have people living in this world thinking in terms of competition and domination. Yeah. But when it comes to that, we have to fight back mm. and organize ourselves. So that's why it's, I'm very happy that there is a diaspora. We are here. We are now on the, on the front line of this fight. Yeah. So we should wake up and every one of us can contribute to this fight. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I think that, you know, really uh, enforcing 
uh, change could really ensure that um, uh, things are happening in its rightful place. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering, because I'm looking at the average diasporan who is uh, probably now watching this uh, yeah. side his computer. I think the first thing that he will Google is some of the you know, African motion and other things to see uh, yeah. how or she can get involved. What are some of the opportunities or the ways that some could really be involved in uh, offering a change? There are different different ways. Um, first, like advocating and trying to uh, influence the, 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 the consumer here. Uh, that's something it doesn't cost you any money, uh, just a little bit of time. When we go to the parliament with with uh, uh, how do you call this policy proposal? Yeah, it will be very strong if we are backed up by the diaspora. If you just send an email to a parliamentarian telling him what Africa in Motion is doing, we stand behind it. Yeah, that is all. That's something you can do on your phone. Even when you are in the disco dancing, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. When you are sporting, it doesn't matter. Before sleeping, you can do that. That's one thing. Second thing is get involved in as entrepreneur in this system. Yeah. And concerning uh, chocolate industry, the Netherlands has the most knowledge about it. So we are here. You could enter a partnership with Dutch companies yeah. uh, dealing and doing this. You can learn from them and then go back to Africa and start your own business. Remember, do you know Dr. Khan? No. From Pakistan. He's the one who introduced, he's the father of the nuclear energy in Afghan, uh, Pakistan. He was studying, he, he was a student at the Leiden University. Mm, okay. That's where he took the information and he went to Pakistan. <laughs> he mm. gave it to the president. He said, look, this is the way you can do this. So the diaspora is crucial in this system. We can do much more than we think. The third thing to become aware about, like this system, chocolate and industry in the Netherlands, you have a lot of opportunities to learn it. And then go back to Africa and find investor and do it there. The third thing we can do is in trading. Like I told you, this all cacao beans are coming in Amsterdam. And there, Dutch people are selling it to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. If the Ghanaian government, now I see the Ghanaian president going everywhere selling the diaspora, it's good, diaspora is important. Yeah. And remember this uh, documentary on television, the cocoa boat. Yeah. In my vision, the cocoa boat should be in Amsterdam, run by diaspora. So you take the cacao bean, you bring it to Amsterdam, and we sell it to who we want. Mm. And then we are in a competition. We can raise the price. But now they are just giving it to Europeans, and they come here and they start doing their business. So that's something the, the diaspora could also play a role by collaborating with the government. But in, in this way, the government should trust uh, the diaspora. And that is something at this moment it's not happening. You know, they just think in diaspora send money back to Africa, the remittances. So they are all focusing on that. While remittances, the World Bank has shown remittances we send to Africa is 15% of the money we own here. Mm. 
So we are spending more of this money here in the in Europe where we live. That's why I'm telling you what the, the first thing the diaspora could do is to create an investment, collective investment force. And then we can have our own capital to invest in new companies in Africa or here to make more money and then send it back to Africa. So there are a lot of things the diaspora could do. And what you are doing now is very, very crucial because media, <laughs> the media is a very strong tool by bringing people together by yeah. creating awareness and pushing people to take action. Yeah. That's why I'm Definitely. very happy to be here and telling this thing. Uh, the diaspora can play an enormous role in the whole system. If you want to change it, the diaspora is key. So many opportunities are laying around yeah. uh, for us to for us to grasp. Many opportunities. So just let's keep in touch and come together. And then uh, we should organize things like awareness meetings to talk about this, to exchange. There are a lot of opportunities. Who is building India now? This is a diaspora. Who has built China? It's a diaspora. What do we miss as Africans? to do not build Africa as diaspora. You know, so it starts all here. We, we make ourselves so weak. And when people call us weak, we get angry. <laughs> Become strong and nobody will cheat on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very well said, very well said. Um, before we're going to go, because I already see uh, questions coming in from uh, some of our listeners, before yeah. we go into uh, that, uh, I also want to know, because there's something very important that you mentioned, is this relation between migration and uh, trade. Um, what What is the uh, relation in your view, and how can this be addressed in its right, right way? Yeah, that's also something for the diaspora to use. You know, uh, in uh, March next next year, there, there are elections coming. You can be sure that migration will be one of the biggest, hottest topics. Mm. When they talk about migration, especially concerning African migrants, they are complaining. There is someone from this uh, political party, CBA, said, Wash out! They are come, millions of Africans are coming to the to the Netherlands, so we have to stop them. Mm -hmm. What they don't say is, is that migration is generating by this multinational. Look at in Amsterdam, in the Belmer, the biggest African community in the Netherlands are the Ghanaian. The most of them are living in the Belmer. So we have done a survey with a student from uh, Leiden University, Africa in Motion. We have sent them to the Bermer. They have done a short survey on yeah. 1,200 Ghanaian. You know what? 80% of them are coming from region where cacao is being produced. Yeah. So you can see the relation because the cacao and the, the, the raw material is just leaving Africa like this. There is no industry. There is no shared trade system yet. Mm -hmm. Empower African. So people are following their money. I have a friend from Nigeria. He always make a joke. He said, Matt, we are just following our money. <laughs> right. There is a relation between trade system 
and migration. And to tell the truth, this uh, inequal system of trade is generating migration. But that's yeah. something we should, this is also one of our uh, advocacy points next year when they start this election, we should start making noise about this. Ghanaians are in the banner, and when you go in Ghana, you see where they are coming from. It's the same place where these cacao beans are coming from. Then you see how much money is living there in uh, Ghana, and how much money we are generating here. So don't complain saying, yeah, we have African migrants, they need social security. But this social security you have, you're getting it from our raw materials. Yeah, that's a connection. You take oil from Nigeria, you, this, these flowers, they're producing flowers in Ethiopia, in Kenya. Women are working there for 10, 11 hours a day. They get one euro a day. Look at how many millions, billions they are making with this flower industry here. And then they pay taxes. With those taxes, you pay social insurance. So it's all, we are making Europe and Western countries rich. And when we are here, they start complaining. Even, uh, this is nice, with this corona, the first thing they say, no traveling. But the commodities have to go on. The raw materials have to come in. Yeah. But, <laughs> so we are actually in a very strong position to negotiate, but our government, I don't know, they are not sleeping, but they are not doing <laughs> <laughs> to get away. And we, the diaspora, we're here. Yeah. We can do more. So there is a direct link between migration and trade system. Mm. I love that. It gives it gives it a very, very good perspective. I uh, I can definitely uh, agree. And I, I didn't even look at it from that way. But, no, you know, um, no. yeah. But knowing that, you know, this is based on research, backed by research and, you know, right. having to find out what is the cause, what are the co connections, then you would definitely be like, okay, I now understand how this circle is definitely not benefiting our people. Yes. And also, um, yeah, this also the points that, you know, Europe complains about migration uh, as a whole. Yeah, but they are creating this. Yeah, I could definitely uh, see a good point in that. Um, I would really love to, uh, before we are going to round it up, really love to get into some questions uh, that some of our listeners have. Um, one, first, a shout out to Samantha uh, Ajwa, who tunes in from uh, New York City, who uh, also commented that, you know, fair trade is even more expensive. So uh, having to observe, you know, this model being some sort of a cheat is, is very unfair. Um, one of the questions it says, what are the alternative mod models that benefit the farmers and that you are thinking of? Yeah, there are different alternative models. First, you can like uh, diversify the, 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 the crops you are producing. That is the concept of food forest. Where these cacao uh, trees are, you have uh, like two or three meters between them. You can grow different crops there. Mm. Uh, especially food, the veg the vegetables, fruit, other fruit. So you can diversify your production and that can generate more revenue and you can have healthy food. 
and you can create almost, you can uh, stimulate the biodiversity because at this moment it's not uh, sustainable what they are doing. That is one. The second uh, alternative is to invest more. And then I'm thinking about again the diaspora from the United States, from Europe. If we come together, we create an investment fund, we can directly invest in processing of cacao beans in Ghana. So those are uh, easy alternatives and that could also implicate diaspora in it to change the situation. But at the highest level, it's about renegotiating the whole system. Yeah. We shouldn't want this anymore. Yeah. So that, those are alternatives we can think about. Diversifying the, the production and investing in local uh, processing. Yeah. And I, I love how you uh, uh, pointed out that, you know, U.S. could work together with European diasporans. Uh, yeah. Is there a specific thing that you see that U.S. can do? Do you see anything uh, particular? A lot. So give her my uh, email address. Yes. But yeah. we have to, you know, we have programs uh, that are meant for diaspora. So yeah. it doesn't matter where you are. So we just need to create a platform, like an investment platform of diaspora. Why not thinking about the diaspora bank? We have enough money. Believe me, all diaspora from the, the US, uh, from Europe, from, from, from uh, I don't know where, in, in South America, they are all over the world. If yeah. we can create a platform and collective investment of diaspora, we can have more money than our government in Africa. So when they start yeah. negotiating with Europe or with America, we can come between. Mm. And then please don't get loan from China. We have money for you. So this is something we could do and do projects together in agriculture or uh, uh, entrepreneurship. There are a lot of things we yeah. can do together. And I'm really happy to, to have this question. And hopefully they can understand it this way. We are yeah. one, but we have to become one and do things together. Absolutely. And even uh, Lucia, Dash, uh, Lucia Diaz says, I can arrange an awareness meeting in Rotterdam. Um, so that is even, even here you go. Here you have an, uh, a candidate for, uh, for spreading the word. Yes. And, and I will sure be there. That... I'll be there for sure. You just yeah. tell me when, what time. It doesn't matter what time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I definitely love that. Um, so, Max, in, in closing, because um, I think that you have pointed out some good some good ideas as to you know how we can make change. Uh, where does it start? And I think that you literally embody the word "global Africans" that I use every time. Um, so it, you know, it comes from uh, you as an expert, as an uh, somebody who's observed the system, somebody who has been through the system. Yeah. Um, last before even before we even round this up, because I know you will have a particular masterclass coming yeah. up soon. Uh, can you share a bit about that? Yes, the the, the masterclass uh, is called uh, redefining the relation between Africa and Europe. That's what I was saying. When Europe came to Africa, when this Western country came to Africa, they start by changing our mind. Yeah. So if we want to fight back, we should do exactly the same. 
So this masterclass is focusing for this session on the cacao uh, sector value chain. So we are inviting students from the Netherlands, from different universities, and students from Ghana. So they will join the, the, the masterclass. And it's about six days, and uh, starting by historical relationship between Africa and uh, Europe, because the most of European students don't know where this relation is coming from. They don't know where this system is coming from, so they have to learn it. In Ghana, it's the same. They don't understand things at geopolitical level. So they will have to, to they will get to know this uh, information the first day, and then from that we go to specific on uh, focus on the, the cacao value chain, the way it is organized, and then at the end what we are look, what we are asking for them when we uh, uh, rise up the shared trade concept, they will have to work in small groups and solution. Like I said, the shared trade means that the, the farmer is not selling his product that is having a share in the final uh, benefit. Yeah. So they will have to work on different uh, expertise level, how to get this system together, how to create it. So we are expecting through doing this to have this concept of share trade initiating from the universities. Mm. And then we are also targeting the youth league from all political parties to involve them at this level, at this stage, in this awareness creation. So that's what the workshop, uh, the, the masterclass is about. And we will repeat it now uh, concerning and targeting all raw materials from Africa. The next will be with France and Germany. We already have a team in Germany working, and uh, there will be about uh, metal, like uh, bauxite coming from Guinea. That's what they use to make aluminium and to build more cars, trains, uh, planes. So this is uh, what we are trying to do with this uh, movement now. We call it care movement, stimulating healthy uh, African-Europe relationship. I love that. I love that. Thank um, you. Oh, gosh. Uh, Max, we've covered well, on. By the way, we, this is, we are looking for... Uh, uh, African students who are interested in the, the math class, we have already sent uh, all of uh, the neighbors uh, the, the emails and uh, the videos. And uh, I will also send you the, the, the Facebook link. Sure, yeah. If you can help me by sharing it. Oh, ready. yeah. No problem. No problem. Uh, yeah. how, how can people involve, before we round it up, how can people, number one, get in touch with you? And how can people get be involved in share trade, the masterclass, all of that? Yeah, just by sending an email to info at africainmotion.nl. Okay. And uh, then I will get in touch with them directly. Sure. Now, sure. Go ahead. If I may. Um, you, you are your question, man. <laughs> 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 uh, if I understood you well, in the intro, you have a son who is 19 years old. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that is an interesting uh, you know period to be. Uh, it's like he's now he's adulting. 
Yes. Um, so how and he's he was born in the Netherlands, correct? Yeah, he was born in Netherlands. How do you and you are a Pan-Africanist? How how is that relationship going? How are you instilling the love for Africa, the love for himself within yeah. him, and also understanding that this um, this thing going on is economical, is strategic, and all those things because. In the education system, we don't learn this. I've no. studied economics and I've also studied business. I'm doing a master's in project management, but we we don't this. Yeah, you can't learn this anywhere within no. the European education system. So how do you do this at home? What are the things that you're telling him? What are the books that you um, are showing him to read? What it, like any tips? <laughs> Yeah, it's very, very difficult, actually. But uh, what I do, because I have a big family in Africa, so we are constantly uh, on Zoom or Skype. With, uh, so now we know all my nephew, all my, uh, my sister. So that's the way I started, telling him, look, you are, your mother is Dutch. And I'm an African. Yeah, Papa, what you are doing is uh, dangerous. <laughs> You're trying to change all this system you have to watch out at the beginning. But now, uh, anytime I have like a workshop or thing, I take it with him, with me. So now he's seeing it happening. So, and uh, even when he was like eight, nine, I was taking him to the university in Wageningen and Leiden, all of the while I was talking with African students. So it's, it's, he grew up with what I'm doing. And uh, I'm lucky because his mother is like, okay, laying back, saying nothing about it. And, uh, but it's very hard because at certain moment it was like, okay, who I am? I'm an African, I'm a European. And I told him, it doesn't matter who you are, but uh, look, what I'm doing, I'm fighting for social justice. I'm fighting against uh, violation of basic human rights. And it's happening in Africa. It has yeah. to change. So that's the way it knows me. And now we start, since one year, we can have conversation. Now he's asking me, okay, tell me about this raw material. Where is coming from? What's happening with it? And I remember I had uh, I was buying such things for him to let him see how you can process cacao, uh, cocoa beans in chocolate or from uh, bauxite cars. And so he, I have helped him with in, in, in that way, showing him the reality. Like I even went uh, to school when he was at the primary school. I had a workshop for the, the, the his classroom. They were like eight, nine years old. So I was asking them, do you know how do you make uh, coffee? They said, yeah, they make it to the other side. They said, yeah, but how? So I'm telling them. So that's the way I, uh, I educate him, like showing the link between raw materials and final product. Yeah. And then he's thinking, okay, this is coming from there and here and then this way. And uh, I hope he will follow me in Africa. But, uh, that, he should. That's another, that's another challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could agree. But I think it's a good example of demonstrating, um, you know, the, the, the added 
what what Africa brings to the world. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a really good um, good demonstration. Uh, well, Max, before we round it up, we've been talking about you, your organization, share trade, and uh, all of that. Um, are there any last words that you have for uh, young uh, young Africans wanting to be involved, uh, not knowing how to navigate, but really are also passionate about making that change that you yeah. listed out? What are your last words for uh, the lady or a gentleman in question? Yeah, the, the, the first thing I would like to say is that we are counting on them. They can play a crucial role in this whole uh, change we are advocating. But I have three things to tell them. The first uh, concerns awareness. Being born in Europe or growing up here, I think when we started, doesn't make you less African. Mm. You need to realize that sooner or later you will be confronted with the reality. You are a black. And people won't tell you that, but when, what they mean that you are black, you belong to Africa. That's one. Secondly, uh, they should take action by organizing themselves. Mm. Becoming aware of the power of Africa, becoming aware of the power they also have themselves, but only if we unite. Individually, we are very successful, but as community, we are weak. So if they want to fight against or avoid racism, discrimination, it's time to come together and start thinking strategically. How can we empower our own community? And the third thing uh, I would like to say, it's also related to the second, stop, please, this fragmentation of the African community. And please don't tell people when you are in a meeting somewhere, I've heard a lot of African diaspora saying, no, but Africa is not the country. This is accepting what this colonialist brought to us. Mm. Please don't do that. Consider ourselves as brother and sister. Yeah. And not only to enjoy and to party, but we are brothers in arms. Africa needs us. So that's my message to them. And please, 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 we are counting on you. This mm. change cannot happen without the involvement of the young diaspora. Very much so. On that note, um, I think it's really good because uh, we've had our listeners who are keen to get in touch with you uh, through info at africanmotion.nl. And I think that by the time, you know, uh, share trade is progressing and after um, uh, that um, the masterclass, the exchange has yeah. taken place, I would love to invite you to come back again and inform us on, you know, what the developments are. Uh, so that we could, you know, empower more people to uh, to be on board and be involved. And uh, thank you also for giving us uh, new information where we could, um, that could just boost us, you know, into any of the affairs that we look to bring back to Africa and ensure that, you know, our, our, our countries are properly uh, developed. Um, Definitely, I'm going to have you back for another time uh, on the show. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> We've taken uh, so much of your time. And um, also, let's let's keep in touch because I'm looking forward to when that masterclass comes that we also share it here on our yeah. network newsletters and that we get the bus uh, going. Um, again, if you want to get in touch with Max Kofi, uh, send an email to info at africainmotion.nl. Info at africainmotion.nl. We have a last question, Max, before you uh, before you go on. This is a, also a, like an entertainment question myself and Donnie always have. Uh, yeah. What what song is on your playlist at the moment? What, what, one more time? What, I didn't what song it. is on your playlist? Uh, from Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Babylon System, look at that. <laughs> the the current fair trade could be described uh, described right. as that Babylon system. system. <laughs> I love it. Very relevant. On that note, thank you so much again, uh, Max Kofi. Have a wonderful thank night. We'll keep in touch. Yes, we... <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Very relevant song. <laughs> thank you very much. Great. Have a good night, and uh, we will get in touch soon. Yes, you too. <laughs> okay, goodbye. All right. All right, Donnie, we're here. And uh, again, I, I always try to keep the conversation like <laughs> tonight, PM, but our conversations are so good that it's just hard. But uh, uh, we're working on that. <laughs> um, any plans for this week, Donnie? Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Abba. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle. <laughs>